So hi and welcome to another episode on NetSport Radio. I'm Al Kingsley and I am really pleased today to be chatting with the CEO and co-founder of Babu, Charlie Rosier. Hi Charlie. Hi Al, how are you? I am very well thanks. Thank you for joining us on NetSport Radio. Thank really so interested to be chatting with you about all things early years and nursery and who knows what else and of course to find out a bit more about your new solution Babu. So Let's start with a few kind of setting the setting the foundations type questions, if I may. Give us a bit of a brief about, um, well, about you, but also about how you see the role of technology feeding into early years education. Absolutely. So obviously, I'm Charlie. Um, I am uh, a mother to a beautiful five-year-old daughter. Um, and it was on the back of having my daughter that I really got into early years education. I actually... Um, just decided to open a nursery because um, at the time I was I was self-employed. I had another business and I needed to go back to work. And I found um, you know the flexibility of of current childcare solutions um, really didn't work for me and my schedule and what I needed. And also, it's obviously extremely unaffordable to most. In fact, I think the statistics are something like two thirds of people in the UK do not use a formal childcare solution. Um, so we opened a completely flexible pay-as-you-go nursery but very quickly realized that a bricks and mortar business that relies on good quality staff is a really difficult business to grow and obviously wouldn't have the impact that I wanted to have and therefore realized that it had to be a, a technology solution to really try and um, to, to move the dial on this big issue, which as I see is obviously around the attainment gap. So those children that are unable to go to a nursery and have the benefit of, of early years education um, are, are so much further behind their peers. So that's how Babu came about. And then obviously with COVID, it just made it um, even more apparent that, you know, parents were crying out for, for I guess, the tools and resources that the kind of nursery elite get, um, but to be able to kind of run a nursery from home. So that's what we're building. A digital nursery. <laughs> I love the approach, Charlie. If if there isn't a solution, I'm going to make a solution. And, and I think we, we need more of that kind of innovative mindset. But you absolutely resonate with one of the biggest challenges. Whether we talk about it under different umbrellas, it all comes down to equality and equality of access for all of our children, irrespective of where they are uh, and their backgrounds. Now, you've talked about the attainment gap, and we all appreciate, even when we're talking uh, at nursery provision, we have debates about the kind of provision, whether we've got qualified teachers or qualified carers and the, the number of hours that our, our children are getting to. But clearly there's no gap, there's no dispute about the, the, the lost opportunity for, for children that can't access it. How do you see that attainment gap changing at the current time? So, I mean, not to mince my words, I really think our early years education system here in the UK is completely broken. It is unaffordable. Um, it is in crisis right now because of issues around staffing. You know, Brexit's obviously had a big impact, COVID had an impact. And obviously now they're looking at um, increasing the ratio. So it's, it's one to four yeah. now rather than one to three, which I think is a, a, a real setback because... Um, especially for you know those children that are struggling or have special educational needs you know it is really tough I don't know if anyone tried to do it to look after four children at the age of two you know they're running everywhere so um uh, it so seems a small change doesn't it just moving moving the dial does, by one but, it, but in but practice yeah exactly it's a 33 percent increase so um 
so so yeah so i think even you know within the, the nursery sector with children that go to it you know they're struggling and obviously COVID had a massive impact on children's learning you know speech and language being pushed back i don't know if you read the times education report that came out but it said something like 50 percent of children are not ready for school at the age of five some children are turning up still in nappies some children are drinking from a bottle you know not unable to hold a cup and even i think they said some children are unable to say their names so the attainment gap really refers to I guess the the difference in educational outcomes and it's yeah. measured consistently as you know throughout you know school school um at the age of five i think as it currently stands it's around 11 months between the haves and the have nots for, for a better word um but for some things like um reading and writing it's kind of 17 months so and it's definitely worsened you know during covid and obviously we're all playing catch up um but yeah, that's really what Babu is is trying to achieve, to achieve is to kind of reduce that attainment gap in in a meaningful way. And when we talk about the attainment gap, obviously you've talked about the financial barriers, but but I guess there's also the barriers of just about capacity in the system, even if yep. you have got the financial means. Uh, and I thought it might be interesting just to unpick as part of that kind of question. Um, when we're talking about attainment, it's very easy to get dragged into the the skills when it comes to literacy and, and those basic skills. But as you've alluded to, there's a lot more about the social emotional development of a child that actually unlocks their potential when they do arrive at, at primary school. Yeah, and I think that's one of the, I mean, obviously COVID had a massive impact on that, but one of the other benefits of nursery education is the socialization of children, right? Being around yeah. your peers, learning to share, um, all those kind of soft skills that, you know, personal, social, emotional skills which are vitally important so yeah and I think attainment's probably the wrong word to use because it kind of it sounds very harsh and you probably think oh I shouldn't be judging a five-year-old on what they can and can't do but I guess you have to have some kind of framework yes. to kind of measure how children are doing oh, um, yeah. but yeah you know the attachment and you know that all that lovely stuff is what's is the most important I think in those early years Absolutely. I thought it was important to unpick because really this is about the, the, the whole the development of a child as a whole, isn't it, really? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so we've got a challenge. Some people can't afford the system. Some people yeah. can't find the capacity in the system and the system itself is stretched. You clearly are somebody that likes to take the approach of if it's broke, I will come up with a solution to fix it. So tell us how you fixed it with Babu. We haven't fixed it yet, Al. We're we're working on it. I'm giving um, you the benefit of the doubt here, Charlie. So work with me. <laughs> so what we what we're trying to do is make a um, a personalised platform that is accessible across all devices, so it doesn't rely on you having a, a smartphone. You know, um, our business model is kind of buy one give one. So for every paying customer, we give it to a disadvantaged family or someone raising a child in poverty, and we do that via charitable partnerships. Um, and we have a proprietary curriculum which covers obviously is, is grounded in EYFS it covers the seven areas of learning but really we're just trying to make early years education easy accessible and fun and so we do that by providing parents or carers with activities that are tailored to the child based on their age their preferences and their developmental capabilities they're simple and fun to do you do them offline it's not you know here give your child a, a tablet it's using stuff around the house it's either low cost or no cost and we've kind of blended various teaching approaches including kind of Montessori and forest school and it's really about spending 15 minutes a day just playing with your child and then you know the the app has obviously some fancy technology that can in the back end track and record that child's development and you know hopefully it'll move into the space where it starts to identify red flags and developmental delays and then 
action, the appropriate support, um, you know, with occupational therapists or speech and language therapists, but, but we're not there yet. But at the moment, it provides uh, tailored content for both you as a parent and the child. So it helps the parent understand what's happening week to week with their child developmentally. It supports the parent's mental health. Um, it does a lot. <laughs> it certainly sounds like it. And I think for those listening who perhaps don't have have a grounding in, in understanding what happens in, in the early stages of education, that EYFS framework, most of what goes on is child-led and is measured by observation, not by testing, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. And we've kind of have at the moment a very light touch observational tool, if you like, in the platform. So every activity is linked to a specific learning objective within EYFS. So for example, you know, moves, moves head to the sound of, of your voice. And um, we explain to the parent, you know, what the purpose of the of the activity is, how to do it. Everything's got a, a two minute video where we're demonstrating the activity. And then at the end of the activity, the parent can come in and they can tell us how their child did. If they want to upload some photos or videos of the child doing the activity, they're, they're free to do so. And that's how we really learn where the child is at and how we you know, promote the right content yeah. to them the following week. One of the challenges often found in, in in primary schools and infant schools in that in that um, first year is that much of that observation assigns measures that are based on age-related skills, for example, as well as how secure a child is, is with those skills. How do you handle that? Because with the best one in the world, parents probably aren't the best to make a, an assessment of the child's developmental stages. Yeah, so the parent doesn't really see any of that. That's all in the back end. So they, in the overview, they understand that this is about developing fine motor skills, as an example, but they don't know exactly what we're measuring. And and so, yeah, and, and we also at the moment don't show them anything because we felt and we've spoken to nearly a thousand parents now that actually tracking, like seeing graphs of how your child's doing or benchmarking them compared to other children in the UK is is just really stressful. And parents are anxious enough and obviously everyone wants the best for their child. So we're trying to do it in the most kind of user-friendly way, but with, with the child in mind. And as you say, it's all child-led. So it's not like you must do this today. A parent has five no. activities to choose from. A lot of them are around your everyday routine. So an activity you could play in the bath, for example, or at mealtime. So it's about bringing joy back into your into parenting. Well, learning should be fun. And I think one of the, the pluses, and there aren't many on the list when we think of the, the pandemic, was actually for our primary school children, whilst they may not have been following the, the planned curriculum as was intended pre-pandemic many developed other skills just by that closer interaction with parents at home whether it was getting involved in cooking or other projects or just developing their language skills through greater discussion so, so in a way you're taking shall we say the best bits from we've learned from the pandemic alongside those kind of core let's make sure they're ticking all the boxes in terms of those foundation skills yeah i think the pandemic has obviously been horrendous and i don't think anyone wishes wishes for it exactly. but it's also yeah. I think for education, um, in many ways, especially with kind of the rise of edtech being, being you know, a, a good thing. It's kind of sped up a lot of, of things that were happening anyway. And, you know, it was very fragmented before, really inefficient, kind of quite generic. And now with technology, you can be much more tailored. You can be on demand. You can be on the go. And it just, I think, fits the, you know, the millennial parent who have, who have technology for all other parts of their life and, and now, you know, parenting and education. So... Um, yeah, and actually your point about the involvement of parents, I'm actually staggered. I'm part of a parenting um, forum with a lot of businesses that are trying to engage parents more in their children's education. 
And the statistics, I think, are something like 60% of the attainment gap is due to the parent parents' involvement. So, and it doesn't just stop at the age of five. You know, I think there's this kind of concept in the UK that once your child is in full-time education at school, that you kind of step back and you leave them to it. But, you know, parents are the most important people to the children, aren't they? So being engaged in your child's learning from, from start to end, I think is really important. Absolutely. Well, we're all lifelong learners. And as a parent of two children in their 20s, it doesn't stop at school age. That's for sure. It's, it's no. a constant. Um, I was also interested, you know, some of those statistics, when we think about some of the ones that have been published for many years now in terms of the breadth of vocabulary, for example, for children, depending on households and level of parental engagement, that's something that unlocks so much more of their abilities when, it, when they move to, to more formalized teaching and learning. So I, th I think we can all kind of see the, the huge value in it. If I had to put you on the spot, Charlie, and say, give us your mission statement, what's what's your aims with Babu over the coming year, two years? So, I mean, we're very closely aligned with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, number four, which obviously says that by 2030, all children should have access to high quality early years education. So really, that's our mission is to democratize access to early years education. So everyone's given the, the same chance in life. I think that's a very uh, succinct <laughs> way of making it perfectly clear. For me, it's all, from what I, I hear from you sharing is the more we empower parents to have access to what they want for their children and give them the choices, that can only be a good thing, wearing our parents' hats. And making it fun as well. Like, not you know, not let's not put more pressure on parents. No, absolutely, absolutely. And, and that's kind of one of the challenges. As soon as learning ceases to be fun, you don't get the same output. You don't want to do it. So anyone, anyone listening in to, to our conversation today, Charlie, who wants to find out more about Babu, how do they go about connecting with you? Website, social media contacts? Amazing. So um, www.babu, which is B-A-B-B-U.co.uk, we're currently in a second test of the platform. So if anyone with a child under five wants to have free access to some amazing content for the next few months, then they can sign up on our website. Alternatively, anyone can drop me an email, charlie, C-H-A-R-L-I-E, at babu.co.uk. And for those social media Twitterers or Facebookers or... Our, our social media handle is at my.babu. Perfect. Thank you so much. It, it sounds like a fantastic solution and all power to you, Charlie. Thank you for taking time to join us on NetSport Radio today. Thank you so much for having me out. Have a wonderful afternoon. Enjoy the sunshine. You too. Take care. Take care. Bye.